Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of that and then some. I wrote the books, Common Sense Pregnancy, which is where this big old convo started. I also wrote Mom's Side of the Story, which is available exclusively on my website at jeanfaulkner.com. That's where women write themselves into their birth stories. They document their care, their feelings, their plans, their goals, and their healthcare and pregnancy experiences, and help frame this transformative time of life around mom. Mom's side of the story is key. Let's write it together, shall we? Well, what's going on? I am back from vacation where I traveled for almost two weeks to Washington, D.C., New York, and uh, out to the Oregon coast. Uh, In D.C., I lobbied with CARE, one of my favorite humanitarian organizations, for a bill that um, looks at women's needs when emergency and humanitarian crises strike. Now, you'd think that would kind of make common sense, but seriously, women's physical, financial, social, healthcare needs really aren't prioritized during these times. And in fact, um, not paying attention to women's needs can put them in serious peril. Simple issues like where bathrooms, schools, healthcare, and water resources are located. If women can't get to them safely, either because they're too far away or it's just too dangerous to reach them, then women suffer. Designing programs during massive emergencies, you know, like earthquakes and famines and huge refugee crisis, designing them with women in mind is actually relatively easy as long as people are made aware of the need to do it. Anyway, that's what I went to DC to do. Um, And then I traveled up to New York City and I visited my daughter, my gorgeous girl. I love New York and I love hanging with my grown-up girl at her apartment in that incredible city. And then I came back to Oregon and spent a few days out on the Oregon coast on a pristine stretch of beach that very few people go to. And for those of you who have put up my whining about Oregon weather all winter, let me tell you, you can't beat Oregon's beauty in the summertime. That's why we are here. That's we're living for the summertime. And my garden right now is incredible. It has raspberries and blueberries and strawberries popping and cherries are on their way, all kinds of fresh herbs and loads of flowers. And the big deal is there are so many wild blackberry vines that they're threatening to take over the garage. I swear, we were only gone a couple of weeks and we came home to vines all over the place. It was as if the blackberries noticed we were out of town and they took that opportunity to just go for it. Total world domination. They came close to achieving it too. We hacked them back though, and we're going to continue doing battle throughout summer because yeah, yeah, I know a lot of you think that wild blackberry sounds just about as romantic as a country song, but these guys are aggressive and they'll take over your house. They're no country song. They're heavy metal. They're the heavy metal of the berry family. Okay. That's enough of that. Uh, What else should we talk about? Well, I'm too newly back from vacation to really talk politics, though there's a lot going on that's really damn interesting. In current events, there are more tragedies happening then I know even what to do. I I can barely stand it. Especially tragedies happening to parents and children at the Mexico-U.S. border. Now, I know we've been talking about this for a while, but oh my God, folks, if you're not aware of what's going on, I beg you to pick up a paper, pop on a good news source and learn. We're mothers, right? We're parents. I don't care if you're pregnant, if you're thinking about pregnancy, if you've had a baby, you know somebody's having a baby, you know about this. We know about babies and children, and we know, all of us, all of us, on the deepest level, that what's happening is an atrocity and one we simply can't stand for. So the big question then is, once you're aware of it, how can you help? donate to reputable organizations that are providing legal representation for those children and their families. Vote for candidates who will change the system and return these children to their families. And then implore your senators and Congress people to provide ad- adequate funding um, in the foreign assistant budget that they're they're arguing over right now for next year. 
so that organizations like CARE, like Mercy Corps, like other organizations, like the State Department, like USAID, can help these families to stay in their own countries where they can be safe, make a living, support their children, strengthen their communities, and live their own good lives at home. I mean, ultimately, isn't that what we all want, right? To live our best lives in our own homes? That's what the Foreign Assistant but. Foreign Assistance Budget does, and it does that at less than 1% of the entire federal budget. Now, I've said it before, but for those of you who are new to it, most people think that about 20% of the U.S. annual federal budget goes to help other countries in crisis and those struggling with poverty. We don't. And when we poll people and we ask them, what do you think is a reasonable amount? They'll say 10%, not a penny more. And we say, congratulations, you just amplified the federal budget 10 times. The truth is that we only spend less than 1%, less than that. And the current administration wants to slash most of that away. Okay, so I strayed into politics when I said I wouldn't. Anyway, that's what you can do to help parents and babies and people in need. Um, We are going to take a super fast break and then come on back and talk with this week's guest. We've got a real juicy conversation planned. Okay, we're back and we are ready to lighten the conversation up a little bit. We're going to talk with Emily Bennett, an author and journalist based on the island of Majorca, who is launching her new book, The Pregnancy Diaries, this summer. Her writing career kickstarted with her blog-to-book success, Shop Girl Diaries. She followed it with the novels, The Hen Party, Please Retweet, and the online hit, Spray Painted Bananas. Her newest book, The Pregnancy Diaries, shares her preparation for a birth without fear. So let's get Emily on the line. Hi, Emily. It's Jeannie. Hi. How are you? I am doing really well. I am here in Portland, Oregon, land of cloud and drizzles. Where are you? I'm on the sunny island of Mallorca. (laughs) You're killing me. You're killing me. (laughs) If it makes makes you feel better, it was a bit cloudy today. So, you know. (laughs) It does. Actually, it makes me feel just a little bit better. Yeah. (laughs) We are at the time of year in Portland where I can't stop whining about the weather because we've already had about seven months of gray and Um. we've had a couple of weeks of just bright, glorious sunshine and hot weather. And there's hints of it coming again pretty soon, maybe even a glimmer today. But not enough of it, and we're all getting whiny around here. It's uh, well, it's, I did my stint. I was brought up in London, so I know about grey weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you just feel so much better about life living in a, a sunny climate? Definitely, I, I feel like I'm a different person ever since I've lived here. I feel very like much more relaxed, and yeah, it's great. <laughs> I recommend. Yeah. I know. I grew up in a little beach community in Southern California and um, Mm. got, you know, I was raised with the sunshine. So the first few years that I moved to Portland, it was just so romantic, you know, sipping (laughs) coffee, reading books under a blanket before the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit year three and I'm as whiny (laughs) then as I am now. (laughs) I have moments of like wanting to be beside a fire, but they don't last that long. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's barbecue. (laughs) You just want to be beside a barbecue. (laughs) That's great. It's great. Not good good for writing though. I think rainy weather is probably better for writing. I know it. If you want to write the sad, dark, deep stuff. Mm, But if you want to do fun work like your work... Yep. <laughs> yeah, which I want to talk about. I want to talk about all of your all your books and your your adventures, but we have to ask our our first big hard question, which is this. Knowing that I already read your bio a little bit before we picked up the phone. Who are you and what do you do? Oh, well, my name is, oh, you know this, <laughs> I'm Emily Bennett and I'm a writer and um, I have been uh, writing since I was about 11 <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, I write novels, so contemporary novels that are um, romantic comedies but more towards the comedy, um, they're some of my novels 
And I my re- my first book ever was um, a, a started as a blog, which was Shop Girl Diaries. And that was about working in my mum's chandelier shop. Now, fast forward 10 years, and I have just uh, released a new diaries book, which is The Pregnancy Diaries, which is also a true story. <coughs> and um, I began it because I didn't want to write a blog about it this time. So um, that's uh, some of my books. I also write for a lifestyle magazine uh, on the island. So I get to explore a lot to the island. Um, and it's, yeah, so I enjoy doing that. And uh, yeah. And what else, when you're, not, when you're not working in writing and exploring the island, what else What else are you doing in your life? Well, um, at the moment, well, I have uh, have now, uh, as a, a consequence of the pregnancy diaries, I now have a, a child, <laughs> a yeah. baby. So she, um, I'm spending a lot of time, this is, uh, she's nearly one now. And so I spend a lot of time with her. And yeah, that uh, takes up a lot of, of my time, um, which is great. And I, I promised I would spend that time with her. So yeah, yeah. so uh, that's what I do. Writing, swimming, exploring and um, playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And taking care of a baby. That's a pretty yep. good gig. You've got a baby yeah. girl. That's a good, that's yes. sweet. Yeah. I, so yeah. much fun. So much fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm curious about your career path. And you said that you started writing at 11, but you started a blog somewhat later in your life, correct? (laughs) Yes, I started the blog because, um, uh, well, I was kind of fed up of uh, trying to get work published. Mm -hmm. I was um, in my early 20s and I got short stories in collections and stuff, but I did the, you know, I was following the traditional path of sending off, you know, um, trying to finish the epic novel Mm -hmm. and sending off letters to, to um, editors, you know, you know, the, Mm -hmm. you know, going through artists and writers yearbook and, you know, underlining it all and sending my little letter off and my cover letter and, and my synopsis and my three chapters. And I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. And I just really wanted to write and I really wanted to get my work out there and just start. So I began, so I just began this blog because really just to, you know, to, to, to just enjoy writing and get people to see it. And, um, and I thought, well, what, sh-, you know, they always say, cause I study journalism and they always say, you know, um, you should uh, concentrate on your niche. Find a niche. Mm-hmm. Oh, what you call? What do you, you don't call it niche over there, do you? We call do. It, we call niche. it niche or niche. Yeah, niche or okay. niche. Uh, and um, and I realised I spent so much time working in my mum's eccentric chandelier shop in London that I thought, well, I'll have to write about that. So yeah, I began this blog about the comedy of retail, and um, in the end, that was the book that. Uh, that got published so and I didn't need to send a synopsis or anything because the publishers saw it which was salt publishing and they said oh we love it can you turn your blog into a book so I did and you said and that's how it began yes please salt publishing I can that's how that's how my book came to be common sense pregnancy I was yeah blogging for a magazine fit pregnancy mm-hmm. um, magazine writing a column called ask the labor nurse and an mm-hmm. editor from um, 10 speed press I guess somebody at their house was publication house was pregnant and found my blog and then contacted me and said, would you want to turn that blog into a book? And I said, um, yes, I would. Thank you very much. It's this, yeah, this it's blog great. to book success thing is real. It can happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I thought the message was spam originally when I, when I was asked, oh, when I, I got too. this message from, <laughs> from Stoll, I was like, no, they must send this to everyone. <laughs> but they did spell uh, the name correctly. Hmm. <laughs> they did. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. I think there's quite a few of us, um, blog to authors yeah. actually, because yeah. uh, I started collecting books by, um, bloggers who became authors. Yeah. So, yeah. I do a lot of writer great. coaching these days and I recommend mm. strongly to the newest writers that you do it you blog it shows it shows both yourself and publishers that you can show up and write well on a regular consistent basis and people will read you yeah yeah definitely yeah. I've fallen along the wayside this is the first time in about 10 
years i haven't been blogging but um you have I've a, been writing a lot though you have a baby <laughs> we'll let it slide <laughs> you'll forgive me no, yeah. <laughs> you did launch a book during this Thanks. time though so that's yeah. pretty good <laughs> yeah not bad not bad, not bad. You're, we're not gonna call you a slacker so i want to talk about the book the new book but i really do have to touch back on the chandelier part because <laughs> I have four antique chandeliers in my um, just in the front two rooms of my house. <laughs> right. <laughs> I bought this very old 1910 house in Portland, mm. and it came decorated somewhat bordello style, or um, a little yeah, yeah, great, yeah, yeah. So we've got we tamed <laughs> a lot of the other decor that made it look just so raunchy. Um, yeah, yeah, but we kept those chandeliers, man. They're gorgeous. Great. And, I'd, I don't even have one. I'd love one. I'd love one, a big one over the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a, I haven't got that yet. Huge, and it's just dripping with gaudiness. <laughs> it's just spectacular. I'm a nightmare to clean, though, right? Yeah. Me and my mom used to go to churches and clean these huge chandeliers. Yep. It was. Um, yeah, crazy up the top of ladders. Yeah, and we we used to like take all the pieces off and wash them individually, and then put them back together. Nice. Yep. Yeah. I've got to. Yeah, I'm sure if we just sprayed them, it would have been fine. Yeah, yeah. I got to admit, I never clean my chandelier. My husband does it. My husband does it. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. I know. I know. Crystal, that you never clean, it'd be the dullest shine. But yeah. Oh well, if you ever need me to clean your chandelier you can you know just you know buy me a ticket over to Portland and I'll, I'll do it for you <laughs> well let's talk about the new book the pregnancy diaries and it yeah you know it you you write about it that you're sharing your preparation for a birth without fear and yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit more about where the fair factor stemmed from and and what what exactly were you looking to avoid yeah um and this book has come about quite unexpectedly in a in the way um I didn't particularly plan for it to turn to a book I just needed to because I'm you know a blogger and probably an oversharer and I needed to write this experience so um so it began just as as a pregnancy diary, and when I well, it began even before that because I thought I was pregnant and I wasn't. Um, so it was like quite a long journey to get pregnant. And when I was finally pregnant, I would be talking to people, and I, I wasn't scared at the beginning, but I heard so many fearful stories about. I remember someone saying to me, "Oh, you're pregnant." Oh, my friend. Um, I was talking to my friend, uh, and she said that she would never want to get pregnant because she couldn't cope with the idea of going through birth at the end. She said it was just it was just too awful too awful and I thought oh you know and so I don't particularly think I had this fear but I observed it around me and I was determined that it wouldn't be my experience you know mm -hmm. because um before before this I mean I had experienced great fear in the form of, of believe it or not driving mm -hmm. because I didn't drive till uh I was 34 I didn't learn to drive till I was 34 because I lived in London the metro system's great blah blah but then I arrived in Mallorca need to be a journalist and if you need to be a journalist here you need to have a mm -hmm. car because uh, so I, something I, I had to do and I finally got my license and I'm telling you all this for a reason I get worry. it but on the first day of having this license I um rolled I, I got to a crossing and I felt like I went too far into the to the road and I was so shocked by the feeling that I'd almost kind of you know got, got dangerously into a road and could and a car whiz past that I I started rolling back and I wasn't aware I was rolling back and I bumped into the car oh. behind me. So it was like day one, day one, crash my car. And I was overwhelmed with this fear, mm -hmm. you know, and I had to buy the book, uh, Feel the Fear and Do It mm -hmm. Anyway, mm -hmm. you know, by uh, Susan mm -hmm. Jeffers. Anyway, so um, coming back to, to pregnancy, I, I remember that this lesson, this le a brilliant thing in this, this Feel the Fear book, which is, um, you know, uh, that a positive and a negative um, outlook are equally realistic, mm -hmm. you know? So we often think that if we're being negative, like, oh, it's probably going to be terrible, that that's more realistic than it's going to be yeah. fine. But it's up to us to choose, right. you know? So I, I was in this pregnancy, I was like, well, yeah, it could. I could end up having a really long labor and it could, you know, and four steps and all the rest of it. But why on earth am I going to spend 
you know, nine months now, you know, thinking mm. of the worst. No, I'm going to choose to be positive. I, I, and, you know, trust my body. And um, so I suppose I looked for the positive stories and, um, and yeah, so all the preparation, uh, I, I looked, I guess I, yeah, I looked for, for the positive stories and that helped a lot. I mean, I don't know if you want to ask, uh, if I'm rabbiting on a bit, I should stop. Uh, let me know. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. And, I, and it makes 100% sense to me. Um, I know that our our healthcare system, um, we intend to be reassuring in our healthcare system. We do a lot of medical interventions and tests mm-hmm. and screening exams and like that with the intent to reassure people mm-hmm. that everything is fine. But we don't go in generally with the idea that, yeah, you're fine. You're doing great. We're going to just support you. We go in with this other thing that all of this, all of these horrible things could Mm. potentially Mm. happen to you and your baby. And so we're going to look out for all of them. We're going to watch all of them and keep our eye on that. And then what ends up happening too often is that when you're looking for trouble, you find trouble, you know? I was I did yeah. mixed experience because I had an obstetrician who was um she was almost too efficient but I remember um going to see her and my husband um said something like oh I was gonna buy uh, Emily some some vitamin supplements um do you think she needs them mm-hmm. and the doctor replied pregnancy is a natural state to be in if she's eating fine, she's fine, you know? And it was, it was really, it was Mm -hmm. a great thing to say, because I think, you know, suddenly, oh, I'm pregnant, oh, I'm fragile, oh, I can't do this, oh, I can't do that. Like, no, you know, (laughs) our body is, is, can can do this, it's, you know, made to do this. And, um, but there were other influences as well, definitely, which is, um, I had two friends um, that both had their, their, their children at home. And I'm, I, when I came pregnant, I realized that those two people were the only people that talked positively about their birth. Like they, they talked about it almost with nostalgia. Mm. I mean, one of them who did hypnobirthing talked about it with, oh, you know, oh, it was amazing, you know. And so I thought, wow, yeah. why are these two that had them at home had such a great, you know, not a great time, but like they have a great memory yeah. of it and they seem fine. Whereas everyone else, you know, talks about it like, oh my God, you know. And um, one of the things was one of the friend, um, her mother is a midwife and delivered the baby, you know. And so like oh. You, oh. you think about it, well, obviously she was caught in, in her home where she felt calm. And I, I'm not saying that everyone should have a home birth and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was with the people that made her feel calm and strong and that she could do it. And she, and she trusted them. And, and I think that's a, a, a massive part, isn't it? Of having the right people and, yeah. and yeah, yeah. feeling safe, definitely feeling safe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have your baby in Mallorca? I did. I did. Um, and I, uh, didn't have I mean I didn't have her at home I didn't plan to I was, uh, it was going to be in the ho- in hospital and mm-hmm. um I had to bring a lot of my preparation into that clinic because it didn't turn out quite like I thought it would uh, mm-hmm. in the sense that I think Spain is is even I don't know I mean every country is different but Spain um really goes in for like medication and um uh, medicated birth and assumes that's what you'll need and they want to monitor the heartbeat. And like the first thing they do is, is they, they want to put an intra, int, a drip. Um, whereas an England, IV drip. Yeah, an yeah, IV drips in case something goes wrong. Um, right. Whereas, uh, which means that, well, for me, um, because, uh, oh, I'm, I'm going, I'm getting, I'm uh, mumbling a bit. Hang on, let me, let me get this straight. So like, whereas in England, you will go into the, the, the room and you can do all your, your movements and your yeah, the, the ball and, and the yoga moves and all the rest of it. Um, where when I went in, it was kind of we're going to strap you down and and, yeah. and um and you're going to have that that baby. And um, what do you mean you don't want an epidural? But uh, yeah. but 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 luckily because of all this preparation I'd done, um, I I still had the birth that I wanted to. It still was for the, the kind of powerful experience that I. I prepared for I think um uh-huh. and um I'm not I'm not also I say like it's not I didn't want an epidural because I was also more scared of having an epidural than not yeah. having one which is not the usual uh mm-hmm. things I'm, I think everyone should 
you know, do what what they need to do, but um, but have like a choice, you know, feel mm-hmm. that they have a choice. Because when I went to the doctor and said, oh, I don't, I, I don't think I want an epidural. She says, well, we have to talk to the anesthetist anyway. And I went there and, and I thought, um the idea was that he was going to tell me about the risks on blah, blah 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 and he literally um typed up something on a computer uh printed it out and I said oh um I don't know if I want one but I'm gonna do I sign this anyway and he just said oh everyone wants one all of you want one you know yeah and I just thought yeah. oh I feel like I'm on a conveyor belt you know yeah and um you kind of were I, yeah. yeah and I definitely felt like it but I think in the moment thanks to uh, like all the 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 you know I did a lot of meditation affirmations I mean we can talk about this later but but in the end I I, I did what I wanted to do and needed to do yeah so. <laughs> yeah yeah it, you it sounds like there's a very similar birth culture in Mallorca as there is in the United States where assumptions are made and mm. most women do want to have an epidural um, because we have a pretty limited range of pain management options Mm. in most of our labor and delivery units. And because we have such a, um, you know, we're all about documenting every single minute of the labor. So Mm. yeah, most women are getting an extensive amount of fetal heart monitoring, which is, you know, what what people are talking about when you say you're strapped down, you know, it's those Mm. belts. And it's being, you know, cabled to the machine. And even though standards of care indicate that you really don't have to monitor most healthy women all Mm. the time, it still happens. Yeah. still happens most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's a different way to labor. I also think, I mean, yoga really, I mean, I never... Yoga was always something that I meant to do, right? But mm-hmm. you know, you got, when you got limited time, you 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 know, you think, no, I won't go to yoga. I'll I'll, I'll write my article or something. So I didn't make time <laughs> for my body uh-huh. until I I was I got pregnant. And so actually, my baby daughter, I have a lot to thank her for already because she really made me stop and and you know, um, to reconnect with this body that spent so much so many hours just stuck in front of a computer, really. And um, so I've forgotten what I'm saying. Why, do, why am I bringing in yoga? I'm bringing yeah. in yoga for a reason. Uh, Did you use it body. during labor? Um, so, well, I used it de- definitely through the, the contractions mm-hmm. um, because I found it, I, I mean, it was hours of, of contractions overnight, which my husband managed to sleep through, I'll add. Um, but but, I, but it, yeah, by being on all fours and swaying my hips and all that, it, it really, it did help enormously for that stage. But um, but other things came in later and um, it's not that it was, it's not, it wasn't a pain free at all, uh, but it was, it was a different, it was an understanding of what was happening to you. It was, it was, um, I remember reading another book, um, was it Birth Skills um, by Sarah Murdoch and Juju Sundlin, which is very good. And it's about a pain without panic, you know, it's a pain that, you know, is a, a healthy pain. And that's quite a useful kind of thing to have in your mind because if you are in pain and you don't know what the problem is that's kind of when you curl up into a ball into a fetal position kind of you know tense yeah. up and I'm gonna die yeah but if you realize wow this pain is a pain that's bringing you closer to your baby it's the, the muscles are uh, you know doing what they're supposed to do um uh, then then you your mind kind of can can take it differently I mean mm-hmm. yeah uh but I, I I can't remember why I was why I brought yoga up again now. But <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. You didn't blog about your pregnancy. You didn't publicly blog about your pregnancy. You you decided to keep it to yourself. Is that right? I did. Uh, yeah, and I didn't actually share it at all on social media till um, uh, about five months. And yeah, I just it's such a it's such, I think it can be a quite a sensitive thing, and I. <laughs> Just, uh, I didn't want anything to go wrong, and I didn't want to have to share that publicly. I think. Yeah. Um, Did you also kind of want to insulate yourself from an onslaught of people telling you their scary stories? Um. Uh. Maybe I, but mostly it was because uh, of experiences of friends that were very, um, you know, difficult. Um, 
I, I guess I just just didn't want yeah I just didn't want to have any if there was any grief involved I didn't want it, it to be out there I, I don't know it, it felt so personal um but now now it's all in the book now I'm really opening up so um yeah I mean the process I wanted to at times and also the process that I like to get get pregnant it took um a good two years so there were moments when I just want I did voice this frustration and then I felt no I don't want I don't want anyone to like yeah you know <laughs> no yeah yeah. Mm. yeah you have to be careful what you put out in the public eye or in the I guess it's the public eye yeah mm. yeah and <laughs> yeah. This, this topic is very um sensitive because you really don't want to come across saying that, that that this is how you should do something it's uh, that word should is 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 so is uh, you know it's an t- annoying terrible word that can irritate people beyond you know when people tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing with, with right. this is exactly it's the opposite it's just to say look you've got choices you know um mm-hmm. and I don't really you haven't written a book to tell people what to do I just because I just feel like there should be more positive stories and and um yeah and it's not you know it's like even if things get complicated if you do you know the, this preparation of your mind physical and mental preparation um and emotional preparation when when th- if things did go bad or not you still have this kind of inner strength you know that, that mm-hmm. you've worked on uh, and mm-hmm. so if, if if things don't turn out how you want them to turn out like uh, th- then you still you still have choice in that you still have a choice in how you deal with with your you know in that in with your emotions and and so on yeah. <laughs> well let's talk more about the pregnancy diaries <clears throat> I'm curious you know how how and when you wrote them I think I wrote that you I read that you wrote it you you made entries at like three o'clock in the morning. Uh, yeah, I kept is... waking up at three fifteen or three sixteen. Yeah, it was amazing, uh, like clockwork. And I, I, um, it's funny because I don't really remember being. I read the book back and I think, God, this is tiring. But I didn't remember <laughs> feeling tired. I just felt really wide awake at this three o'clock. So I thought, I may as well do something. Uh, it's the first book I've written entirely uh, in pen and paper. I don't usually it's much more efficient on a computer but this I wrote pen and paper I think it made me let go and say what I really wanted to say um Mm -hmm. and it took up three three notebook three diaries that I transcribed as much as I could uh during the pregnancy but yeah it was like I was channeling the newborn and waking up because I'd also um I I just really wanted uh, a mug of milk um all the time so I'd have this mug of hot milk and write my diary and yeah, oh. <laughs> it's kind of a lovely image. Middle of the night, yeah, well, writing your diary, cup of milk. It's lovely. It's a lovely yeah. time. It's very quiet. I do like I like it when everyone's sleeping, except for you. <laughs> yeah, the- yeah, I do too. I get up at the crack of dawn for that very reason. Yeah. Mm. So, what was your publishing path to get that book out in the world? Well, this one um, is I've done this independently. I mean, I've worked with an editor on it, but uh-huh. I didn't really want to muck about as it were yeah and um so I've worked with the people that um I worked on the previous book for the cover and and yeah the, the editor that I trusted and um I had sent it out to a couple of pregnant uh women who came back and because I thought oh what if they don't like it and they wrote back saying that it was addictive uh even though the experience was different for them you know they still mm-hmm. felt like it you know things resonated with them the questions about motherhood and and you know all the the doubts we have and 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 my relationship I have this relationship with uh my uh pregnancy app my pregnancy app was so paranoid it was very funny and I used to just <laughs> think I really should uninstall this but luckily I, I'm I wasn't a nervous pregnant person so I could just say shut up pregnancy app who are called BAP BAP you're talking rubbish <laughs> <laughs> I will not lock away my toothpaste at three months before my baby is born kind of thing. <laughs> what was that about? Because of fluoride? I don't know. No, because the baby might get it. I mean, I, I was six months pregnant and this app was telling me I need to lock away all everything. Shampoo, blah, blah, blah. I was like, this is ridiculous. Next, it will want huh. me to lock, lock the, the fridge and... Oh huh. dear, and, I, and I, that would be huh. a very frustrating morning, wouldn't it? Having to like get the combination to your, your, yeah. your toilet cupboard to get your toothpaste, and then you know having to get there, iris you know, scanned for your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to wonder at what point you know if we're locking away everything like that. I mean, down to toothpaste and shampoo. At what point do kids learn a little common sense? 
Yeah. What at what point do kids realize that, oh no, don't drink the shampoo. It's really gross and you might barf. Mm. You know? <laughs> it's true. It's true. My my yeah. daughter just loves the shampoo. <laughs> no, but she Does she really? To... She likes to drink no, it. No, she tries to grab it all the time. It's very exciting. Oh dear. But um uh, but no, but come on, when you're six months pregnant, you haven't I mean it's like it's miles it's away at the point. I mean they've got to lie around on the floor for six months anyway. They can't boot. I mean, she didn't crawl till she was ten. So it was yeah. you know, it's just premature this this toothpaste locking up scenario. But I feel like the people in the app just ran out of things to say. So they were like, What should we do now? Oh no. Toothpaste- everyone ask everyone if they've got their escape route in case of a natural disaster (laughs) it's like New York is quite calm you know I mean yeah I don't think the natural disasters increase when you're pregnant I don't know I don't think they Uh, do I think yeah just general fear of everything what were you afraid of what were you afraid of during um, your pregnancy and birth? What was I afraid of? Uh, I tried not to be. You know, I think um, afraid of, of losing the baby. Uh, yeah. I guess that was my, but I didn't, I, I can, you know, I would say no, back off fear. You know, any like little creepy, crawly fears in the back of my mind. The other fear I had actually is um, I was afraid that I would feel uh, kind of embarrassed uh, during birth to, to kind mm-hmm. of shout or, or, or move around on the floor or do whatever I need to do. I think it's mm-hmm. this terrible British, you know, polite thing, isn't it? Like, oh, do you mind terribly if um, I, I just scream a little bit while I'm, uh, you know, giving birth <laughs> to my baby? Please, do you mind? And I was, I was really just a little. <laughs> I was just worried that I would, you know, be too polite to, and so I'd like, oh, oh, actually give me all the drugs because then I'll be quieter, you know? Uh-huh. And I really liked the idea of hypnobirthing because it sounded like you just gently breathe and um, the baby, and that's, that's, that, that didn't, I didn't gently breathe the baby. I actually, shouted uh, you know and in a in a, a great deep chant kind of way and everyone probably thought I was mad and it was brilliant you know and uh, <laughs> and and that's how and that and it really did help with the pain I, I would um you know with, yeah. with my voice the voice helps so much you know it really does releases yeah. releases enormous release so so yeah. yeah I was afraid that I would you know be too embarrassed to do what I wanted to do ridiculous oh, it's dear. the little things that women get really afraid of. Like, um, I know it's a really common fear that women are terrified that they're going to poop while they're pushing uh, to which yes. I tell women, yes. yeah, you probably will. Darn good chance yeah. of it. That one, yeah. you know what? You could let that fear go and just mm, yeah. consider that as a, yeah, that's probably going to happen. And then know that the people that are taking care of you are such professionals that will take care of that before you even know it happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, and of course, I'm, now I'm remembering the main fear. I was really fearful of, of tearing. Yeah, um, that's a big and one And that too. also in the moment, you just couldn't care less. You just need right. to, you know, the baby needs to come out because my baby was uh, four kilos, so she was quite big. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a fear. And I think that fear has, has created, I don't know what about over there, but... Um, this uh, th- means this, this fear has led p- a lot of women here to go to see a physiotherapist and mm-hmm. have like to get their per- perineal massage done and to to you know really worry about that and and I don't know what you feel about this but they they use the epino is it to like to almost make their body dilate before it has time and I just find this is sounds brutal to me I mean I had there was a uh, a pregnant woman in my prenatal class that came in in tears that she'd bled after having this treatment and I thought this is just too this is why you're doing it because you're so afraid of tearing but now look you're you're, you know the body will do will release whatever it needs to release it you know to soften the muscles etc when when the time is right and I think maybe we don't we're not really respecting our times women's times in in maybe Mm -hmm. in uh our, our, our health systems. <laughs> well, I think that, I, you know, we often think that we can do a better job than mother nature and mm. mother nature actually is really good at this. <laughs> she knows <laughs> exactly what to do for the yeah. body to have a good birth. Now, not every mm. time, but it's only mm. about 15% mm. of births that really need, you know, intervention. The rest mm. would be just fine. Just you know, if we would quit messing around. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, what do you recommend that women do to dial down the fear? Well, I think uh, I recommend, first of all, 
uh, really <laughs> taking that time to prepare because I mean, it's we we spend so much money and take so much time, for example, to prepare for a wedding. Okay, yeah. but birth is a much more you know physically demanding, uh, you know, and, and it's uh, so to c- commit a bit of time to to this to 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 birth. And I started off with, I mean, I bought the hypnobirthing book by Mary Mongan, um, and I really it really resonated me even though I didn't do every I didn't actually do the courses or anything and um I started with the breathing so deep breathing um which is a huge thing and I I would um in the morning and in the evening I would just they call it slow breathing I think where you Mm -hmm. breathe in as as um deeply as you can for as long as you can and sometimes at the beginning you can just breathe in for about 12 seconds but by the end by after a few months of doing this you can breathe in for a good you know 25 seconds and breathe out really slowly you know mm-hmm. and just do this very like every you know just commit to doing that 10 breaths before you go to bed 10 breaths when you wake up and already you know you're, you're starting to to breathe deeper and when it comes to contractions the idea is that a few of these breaths will take you through a contraction right so yeah. this is just just for starters you know and don't think that going to i mean a prenatal class and doing one two three one two you know over no you yeah. need to really <laughs> breathe the next thing i mean at four months i did start prenatal yoga and i was very lucky to have someone who was very generous with her time and there was only three of us in the class so obviously it was pretty great um and uh, reconnected with my body. And it wasn't about um, doing, you know, hardcore yoga and uh, really hard stretches. It was really quite gentle yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but so that that really helped and setting that time aside um, for my body. And I did a lot of walking. So I guess physically, I did. I only really put on the, the weight that my, you know, the baby that I needed for the baby so I didn't kind of go right I'm going to vegetate and eat eat ice cream Mm -hmm. because I remember someone going oh you're pregnant great you can just eat all the ice cream you want and I thought no this really can't (laughs) this is the this is my greatest project I am growing a human being I am gonna you know put all the best fuel into this project which and I'm gonna look after myself and and when you when I were thinking of it as as fuel and I just I did have a tiny uh, fling with some Haribo sweets, you know, but I thought, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to make a human out of um, rubbish, just <laughs> rubbish, yeah. basically. So, so I guess I ate well. I walked. I set, um, I did two prenatal classes a week, I think. I did my breathing. And um, another thing which I found so important um, were these birthing affirmations. And you can look at, uh, you know, Google, YouTube, and, and you know, you don't have to have the ones from, uh, hypnobirthing book but I did uh, use the ones which were uh, what was it? it was like 25 minutes of just birthing affirmations which were like um, I trust my body and my baby knows what to do um, you know I feel safe I feel secure you know just like positive mm-hmm. powerful mm-hmm. messages like over and over and over again and I almost learned them off by heart you know mm-hmm. um my my body is relaxed my mind is relaxed you know and I just this just I believe if you hear enough positive messages uh, and powerful messages you begin you begin to believe them you yeah know? yeah uh, you believe them and I when I went into birth I was like you know how in the Olympics when you get the swimmers coming out with their headphones on mm-hmm. I was like that <laughs> yeah because it, it, that's another thing to talk about is, is you know how many people are induced when they probably don't need to be induced but anyway so these powerful messages all the time um, so yeah, so it was breathing, uh, affirmations, yoga, walking, um, and um, meditation. I mean, I meditated, uh, but uh, luckily I was introduced to meditation um, quite young. My parents uh, lead retreats in it and everything, so I, I've always it's always been a slightly part of my life. But I, I definitely committed to that, and and yeah, because I think in when it comes to it, and when if if you are strapped down, as I, I was in the end, and I couldn't you couldn't move I had my mind was so like being quite trained by that point mm-hmm. to, to to use these affirmations and also um visualizations I found really hard and that's why I didn't get much further with hypnobirthing maybe mm-hmm. but um one day I was sitting there with my husband thinking god if we are doing this hypnobirthing I mean shouldn't I shouldn't we be doing something shouldn't we be uh you know practicing some kind of I don't know visualization and he said um and he uh 
and I said, but I don't know which one because none of these, I can't imagine these rainbow mists or whatever they were telling me to try and imagine to relax. And so he said, right, close your eyes. And I closed my eyes and he started um, do, talking me through uh, this visualization where I was walking up a mountain in the child, in the, 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 the valleys of my childhood in, in the Pyrenees where I've been, you know, since I was little. And he really just described me walking up this mountain and the smells and the rosemary and the lavender and, and the pines. And, and it was quite incredible. And then he said, I'm there holding your hand. And in this visualization, we walk up this mountain very slowly, uh, and and the baby is basically at the top <laughs> okay mm. and it was really quite moving and i thought wow i have another image here that i can call upon in my mind when i, when I need to escape that clinic you know when mm. i have to escape that room i've got another place to go and it and it wasn't one thing or the other it was all these things combined mm-hmm. that um that helped me in, in the moment and um and then it's like you're building a toolbox of 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 and and uh, of for the main event, no? So right. you start off with your little tools, and then by the end of it, you know, you're getting out your your power drill and your electric saw. And for me, that's that's not actually the imagery I want. Sorry, people. No, but I. It's <laughs> a not, great metaphor. <laughs> but by the end of it, I had these two stress balls, which is what I I read in. I was overdue a week, and in that week that I was overdue, um, I read this birth skills. Book. Book. And it was there that it was talking about the stress balls and vocalization and movement. And so by the end of it, uh, when when my con- when the labor was, you know, I was getting towards the end, I guess, um, towards the dilating turn, uh, I would squeeze these stress balls. I would press them against my head, my eyes closed, and I would shout, oh, like, oh, like these chants. It wasn't like a scream of panic. It was a scream of, hey, pain, I hear you. And this is what I got to say. And, and and it was like all these pain just went into this dark tunnel because I definitely needed my eyes closed and into the sound. And that's how it was for a while. And, and it was, it really worked, I have to say. That's a really so, great skill. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it was powerful. And you had a good birth. I had a good birth. I tell you what I didn't prepare for, which I, I would if I ever do this again, is is definitely the the uh, post post birth mm-hmm. <laughs> because in my mind I thought you had this baby and then you're all fine, but um, afterwards it's still yeah it's quite raw. It isn't is it? Yeah. So I yeah. Need, yeah. I still needed my stress balls for the end, and I, I lost them by this point when I was holding this four kilo baby. So um, <laughs> I squeezed my my husband's hand for the for the for the bit where they clean you yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's. It's a little tender yeah. down there. Yeah. Especially if you mm-hmm. haven't had an epidural. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, we're getting to the point where we need to wrap things up, but what else do you want women to know? Most importantly, where can they find the book? Oh, well, um, at the moment it's uh, on Amazon worldwide. In a, yeah. So Amazon's the main place at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um Soon you should be able to over, uh, order it from your shops, but the, but it's um, just come out now. So that's where um, I recommend now. And that means you can get it from wherever you are in the world and you can have it on Kindle or paperback. Um, yeah, so that's where to get it. Uh, you can also, um, if you want to find anything about me, I'm um, on Facebook where I update uh, on my author page, which is Emily Burnett Author. I'm also on Instagram, so if you want to see pretty pictures of Mallorca as well as my books, it's Emily Burnett. Author. We do. <laughs> we do want to see that. <laughs> so they're the main places, um, really. Yeah. Well, then let me ask you our, our rapid-fire wrap-up questions. Mm-hmm. All right. This is a hard one. Oh, no, I'm scared. What? Yeah, you should be scared. Fear is our theme today. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. What role does feminism play in your life? Um, well, I I guess oh, this is a hard one. Well, I think I I am well, I'm, I'm a feminist. Uh obviously I'm I'm surrounded by people. My husband's a feminist too, so there's no there's no uh a question that I can I feel like I can do what I want, what I need to do. Um I have noticed um Wait, should I should I do this much shorter? Actually, should I want me to no, wrap? Keep going. You're doing great. Um, I do notice that maybe there are uh, uh, limitations I place on myself, or ideas that I should be doing things um, uh, rather than my husband. Sometimes, like maybe uh, I should 
I should say, right, do the laundry and not think, oh, let me be a superwoman and do the laundry and write books and do this great podcast, you know? So I guess sometimes mm -hmm. I find there's a, a, there's, um, a conditioning within myself that uh, I still need to break up. But but yeah, no, um, I I feel as a woman uh, lucky to be in a, in a country that, you know, that I feel I can do what I want to do. Um, yeah, no so limitations. <laughs> how would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. That um, <clears throat> nobody ever told me that I couldn't be a writer. <laughs> Great. And my last question for you then is this. Where are you in the world of motherhood? Ah, uh, well, I think um, I am reading an excellent, excellent book, actually, called Mama Zen. I recommend it to everyone. Um, uh, and I think I'm at the moment uh, when I realize this uh, child needs more than uh, just feeding and um, being changed and having a bath. I can see this uh, person emerge and these emotions emerge. And so now is the moment where I think, oh, wait, where's the instruction booklet? So um, I, yeah. I remember writing in my diary, um, like, am I afraid of, of motherhood? And I thought motherhood happens one situation at a time. So I'm mm -hmm. just trusting, like I, in birth and, and pregnancy, that uh, in the moment I'll know what to do. So, yeah, good. wish me luck. Good luck. And I trust that you will know what to do. I think that we always kind of do if, you know, the moment comes where our motherhood is tested. Mm. If you just settle down, listen, take a few breaths, mm. the right next thing to do shows up Yeah, every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Emily, this has been a really fun conversation. Oh, thank you so much. I love talking to other writers and other mothers, especially those of us who write about this this important world, oh. the pregnancy world. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for having me on your show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We will talk again. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. That's it for this week, everybody. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about Emily Bennett, head on over to emilybennett.com. To learn more about me, go on over to jeanfaulkner.com. That's J-E-A-N-N-E-F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R.com. That's where you'll find all the information. You'll find mom's side of the story, all kinds of in info about me, and you'll find our blog. So go check us out. Email me at... Jean at jeanfaulkner.com. Tweet me at jeanfaulkner. Find us over on Instagram at Common Sense Pregnancy and on Facebook. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. We'll talk again next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey guys, we're Sarah and Matthew Bivens, hosts of the Doing It at Home podcast, a show dedicated to empowering stories and resources around home birth. Our mission is to normalize home birth and encourage mamas and families to be educated, supported, and empowered by their birth choices, whatever they are. You can find the podcast in Apple, Google, Stitcher, the Pod Network, and on our website, diahpodcast.com.